Welcome to PSQH, the podcast. I'm your host, Jay Kumar, Editor-in-Chief of PSQH. On this episode, I talk to Chris Rourke, Chief Information Officer of Stillwater Medical Center, about using technology to get complete medication histories. And now, on to the interview. I'm joined today by Chris Rourke, Chief Information Officer of Stillwater Medical Center. How's it going, Chris? It's going great, Jay. Thank you for having me on today. Thanks for being here. Um, as we get started, I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about yourself and uh, and about Stillwater. Sure. Uh, well, um, I'm the Chief Information Officer here at Stillwater. I've been here since, really since about 1997, though I took a couple of years and helped another hospital in Kansas to uh, implement a hospital information system. I've been in hospital uh, information uh, systems for 30 years now. I actually got my start back at Jackson County Memorial Hospital in 1992. Uh, our current systems here, we have three hospitals. The primary hospital is 117-bed hospital. And we, we have care in about six different counties here in north central Oklahoma. Excellent. Well, we're going to talk today about using technology to uh, get, you know, complete and accurate medication histories. But I was wondering if you could tell me a little bit about sort of the importance of, of getting a complete med history. Oh, yeah, there's, you know, one of the things that you'll hear from physicians over and over again is trying to get that complete medication history because so much depends upon it. Uh, without a good, complete medication history for that physician, they may know, not know uh, the condition that the patient is in uh, or the medications that they're on. So when they prescribe something, there might be an inter uh, something that interferes with the thing that they're prescribing. Um, we have a, a one of the big things that we have been looking at here in Oklahoma is uh, the diabetes rates. and. Um, making sure that those things are taken under control. You really need to know what kind of medications the patient's on. One of the issues that I think all hospitals and uh, health systems have, especially if they don't have a single uh, system that they're working out of, is how to keep those medication histories uh, in compliance with one another so that patient goes into an ambulatory setting and the doctor orders a new medication, how do you make sure that uh, the people over in the acute setting actually know that they're on that on that drug? So that's a big problem for us here because we have uh, we have an acute we have acute EHRs and we have ambulatory EHRs. And so that's one of the big problems that we've had is trying to make sure that those medication histories were in sync with one another. Yeah, and obviously, yeah, going from setting to setting, you know, if somebody's getting transferred from a hospital to an outpatient facility or home care, uh, you know, you, you want to make sure there's no uh, inaccuracies there with, with the medications. Because I guess sometimes, you know, I have experience with this with my mother, you know, taking her in, you know, and they'll ask you, you know, you know can you go over this list of meds that, that your your mother's on? And, you know, you kind of have to make sure you're, you're uh, you know, keeping track of everything to make sure it's all correct. Absolutely. You know, I think that's one of the 
things that our patients get wearied of most is that that medication history is being asked over and over and over again. They're having to carry around uh, cards with them that have all their medications on them. Uh, you know, one of the things that we've done here recently that's really kind of helped with that is that uh, we've uh, put in a product by Dr. First, which actually allowed us to look at the medication histories of our patients. And so if they've been at a pharmacy that uh, uh, their database contributes, and we can actually look at all those medications in one place. So that's been a, a huge uh, benefit to our clinicians as they work with our patients to make sure that, uh, you know, how are they doing on their uh, refill lists and things of that nature. Given how important it is, is it a surprise that, you know, the industry hasn't figured out a way to kind of, uh, you know, standardize, uh, you know, medication lists, uh, you know, from setting to setting. I know we're talking about doing that now, but it's kind of surprising that we've gotten this far uh, without kind of having that be standardized. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, I think they've tried. One of the things they've tried to do is with uh, the HIEs that we have in each one of the states, uh, we contribute to one of those. I know that uh, those are um, fairly good if you're getting good information from another place. The problem is, is that not all of your uh, clinics, your ambulatory clinics, and not all your hospitals are contributing. Right. And so patient may go to Oklahoma City or they may go to a, another place that's uh, um, in the state for care and they get something added to that, but that doesn't go up into that HIE. And therefore, even if you have good access to it, your physicians are willing to go out there and look at that, or if you have integration uh, through your system, uh, you know, as long if the, if the information's not going up there, you're never gonna get it. Yeah, and obviously it puts patients at, you know, a higher risk for an adverse drug event, but what are some of the other consequences of uh, incomplete medication records? Well, I think, you know, one of the things is, is that uh, if you if you don't know what your patient is on, and one of the things that we found when we started looking at uh, our diabetes patients and, and trying to uh, understand, uh, you know, what the issue was in that particular um, part of our population, which we're, we're not unlike the other states, maybe have a little bit higher incidence of diabetes in Oklahoma than, than a lot of other states do. But one of the things that uh, we were able to do is we were able to look at, you know, we knew that there was an issue just based upon a baseline of our uh, hemoglobin A1C lab levels. And so the, we were able to say, hey, let's take a look at that. And what's the, what's the cause of that? And what we found was, you know, that a lot of it was an abandonment rate um, from our patients not taking their medication. And a lot of that it has to do with cost. And so yeah. we felt like, you know, one of the things that we needed to do is make sure that our patients realized that, hey, we're taking a look at this because we want to help them uh, find best costs available, and also uh, to make sure that we were doing everything we could to ensure that they were taking their medication when they were supposed to. So, uh, 
Um, and, and is it also complicated by the fact that, you know, we've got an aging population, you know, uh, rapidly aging, you know, the baby boomers are now senior, senior citizens and, you know, typically older folks are on a lot more medications. So it's just a, a lot to keep track of. Absolutely. You know, as patients get older, there's more of an instance of diabetes in that, in that uh, older population. And so, again, uh, older populations sometimes are on fixed um, incomes and have uh, potentially less availability to get out and get their medication. So that was another one that we looked at. And one of the things that we used, uh, the product from Dr. First that we, we, we used was a, um, it was the medication history PRM, which um, the PRM was the population risk management piece that they had. What that allowed us to do is kind of look at those populations and see who in those populations wasn't uh, adhering to their medications. And um, that allowed us to call them. Uh, we have a care management team, uh, Elizabeth Wilborn, who heads that up, um, uh, really did a great job in that study and was able to, you know, they were able to go out, find uh, patients that weren't filling their meds on an appropriate basis, and we were able to kind of help them with some other products that Dr. First had. One of them was called a RX Inform, and what that product actually did was, you know, if the, if the patient listed their cell phone and in the registration, whether they were at the clinic or they were in our hospital, that particular product would actually send them a text message, and if they clicked on that text message for that drug, it would actually go out there and give them a coupon to be able to purchase that drug at a discount. So, you know, that was another uh, great thing that we were able to do, and I think that's that's been a, a huge success with our patient population. Nice. Um, so how can uh, technology uh, help improve this situation? Well, I think one of the ways that it can do that is, is that it has the ability to reach out into those um, uh, drug programs that are out there like e-scripts and different things, be able to pull down the medications that patients are on. And uh, it gives you a lot broader base. So instead of just looking at the things that your patient has come in and that you put into your EHR, now you're looking at that patient, let's say went on vacation to Florida and they had something filled there and it could actually fill that, that medication in as well, which, you know, ultimately that's going to save your patient. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, technology is huge in that area. Uh, there's just not enough hours in the day for, for someone to be able to, to find out uh, everything there is to know about their patient, especially when they may not have seen, seen them uh, for 30, 60, 90 days. So. Especially the last couple of years where, you know, people maybe haven't been going in or, you know, obviously because of COVID and, uh, you know, maybe appointments have been skipped or spaced out. Uh, I imagine that makes things even harder to track down. Yes, uh, COVID really has made it much more difficult. Patients certainly didn't come in as much. But if you look at some of the technology advances that really helped during the COVID time, I mean, we really pushed the um, 
push forward our abilities on telehealth. And so telehealth was another great way for that technology kind of stepped in and filled that gap uh, so, that, so that we could actually take care of patients without potentially putting them at risk by getting out into a, maybe a high spread time period with COVID. So. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now you mentioned uh, earlier that you had uh, kind of done a project to improve uh, medication adherence for diabetes patients. Can you talk a little bit more about that and how that worked out? Yeah. Um, one of the things, um, you know, that we did was that the cost plays, a, we knew that cost played a huge role in diabetes medication fill rates with the many options of cheaper generic and higher cost specialty medications. And, and our care managers were very conscious of that. And so by having that population risk management tool, our care managers were able to look at those medication and, and adherence rates and see if we couldn't close the gaps on those patients that were not actively filling the diabetes prescriptions and trying to make sure that those fill rates were at a high rate for our patients. And that's, that's something that we actually did. You know, one of the things that, uh, um, w- that Elizabeth Wilburn had, had said was that, the, um, that if patients don't take their diabetes medication as prescribed, and if they're not getting it filled, then they're probably not taking it, mm-hmm. um, that uh, it can have serious consequence, you know, even deadly outcomes. So we knew that uh, the cost of care and making the needed lifestyle changes, uh, you know, makes it hard for some patients. But uh, with access to that particular product from Dr. First, the Med History uh, PRM product, uh, we were able to make uh, great strides in, in ensuring that our patients were actually adhering to their medication regimen as prescribed by their doctors. So, um, and, you know, what what are your hopes? I guess for you know five ten years down the line in terms of using technology like this, do you expect that, uh, you know, sort of the, uh, the histories and, and the records will be kind of, those kind of issues will go away eventually as you kind of uh, expand these programs? Yeah, I think, uh, I, I'm not sure that we'll, we'll ever see them fully go away just because the, um, I'm not sure that we'll be able to command compliance from all the, the small shops that are out there, you know, to be a part of it. But I do think what we're going to see is we're going to see this get better and better as we go. Um, you know, it's, it's really indicative of the way that, you know, healthcare has made that change and that commitment to putting some things in place so that we can take better care of our patients and so that the information that we're gathering on our patients can be shared um, to a larger audience than just those in our local communities. And so I think we're seeing that. We saw seen that with the, the HIEs. We're seeing that as we, we've got some single source systems that actually sharing that information out. There are some standards that are out there for sharing information. All of this is really works together to try to bring that information back to everyone else, do it in a standardized way so that we can all see 
uh, what those patients have. Um, you know, it just, especially, you know, we're in a, we're in a, um, uh, a college community. And so mm-hmm. if we have, uh, people in from different states and that type of thing, some of those folks end up at our healthcare facilities. And so we want to be able to take the best care we possibly can at, of them. And one of the ways that we do that is to be able to be a part of those things that actually allow us to share information uh, from other organizations so that we can have a full history on our patients. And I imagine that not every region or area is as up to speed as maybe you guys are. So it's going to take some time for people to kind of uh, you know, start using the, the same kinds of systems, right? Yes. Uh, you know, all of these things are right now are not free. And so yeah. Yeah. the one, the one nice thing is though, a lot of times they, they do take into account, um, you know, the size of the organization. So it's not scaled at the same cost that you might have for store or medical, uh, or for larger larger organizations so a smaller organization can get started many times they they may feel like they don't have the resources to start it meaning not just the the financial resources but the human resources to start and i would say you know avail yourselves of the opportunity to talk to these people um, because more most of the time they're going to help you figure out a way that you can get this in because they really want to see this uh this grow. They wanted. They know that it's good for our patients. Uh, it's good for healthcare. You know, across the United States, and you know, eventually, it's good for them too. Because the more people that are contributing to that, if they have a problem and they go somewhere on vacation, they know they're going to they're going to get that same type of care wherever they go. Right. So, I think you're going to see this grow. Uh, Ten years. You know, I think ten years might be a good good time frame to see everybody on it. Uh, you know, just judging by how quickly uh, telehealth was put in place. Right. right. Uh, we know that these kinds of changes can take place fast. Um, it just has to be the, the right impetus to get it moving. Definitely. Well, Chris, I want to thank you so much for joining me today. This has been excellent. Well, thank you, Jay. I, I really appreciate you giving me a, a chance to, to talk a little bit about Stillwater Medical Center and and what we've done. All right. We'll keep up the good work. Thank you. That wraps up episode 70 of PSQH, the podcast. Thanks for listening, and I hope you join me next time. You can find more information about the show and listen to on-demand episodes at psqh.com. You can subscribe to the show on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or Spotify. Thanks again, and stay safe.